This evening we are looking at 1 John chapter 3 verses 6 and 7. 1 John chapter 3 verses 6 and 7. It says, no one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has seen him or knows him. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has seen him or knows him. Now, at surface and at reading, you know, you may wonder, what does this verse mean? No one who abides in him sins. Does that mean that we will get to a point in which we do not sin at all? Is that what is spoken about here? No, if you look at some other translations, you'll get a better rendering or an understanding of this verse. Another translation says, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning, keeps on sinning. Another translation says, everyone who is remaining in him does not sin. Everyone who is sinning has not seen him nor known him. So in other words, if you notice, it speaks about that sinning part of it. Okay. In other words, it's not just you know, one event that happens. As a result, now you don't belong to him anymore. But it's a question of a habitual lifestyle. Because that's what, you know, as we have you know, understood these verses, we have understood what sin is all about. Sin is rebellion against God. So when the scripture says, you know, no one who abides in him sins or keeps on sinning, it means no one who is a believer has this attitude of rebellion against God. Or no one who is a believer is going in that direction. Because that's the word meaning when we have understood it in the verses that have gone by. If anyone continues a life of sin, it is very clear that that person does not know Jesus. Because in the previous verse, we learned about, you know, if Christ, the one who takes away sin, the one who knew no sin, is the one living in us, then our lives cannot be a life of sin. It's as simple as that. A person who is genuinely saved you know, is a new creation. All things are passed away and all things are become new. So, it is all an emphasis of a, a direction that you are now taken. Repentance is turning around and going in the opposite way. You are rebelling against God. Now you said, I'm sorry, Lord, turned around, responded to Christ. Christ has now come and dwelled in our hearts by his spirit. As a result, now we are in a new direction. So if we are in a new direction, the pattern of our lives has to be different. The patterns of our life has to be different. This is what you know, John is addressing over here. Because remember again, the context of it, he's speaking about false teachers who had come into the church and were speaking more about you know, a secret knowledge, who were speaking about more of the importance of the spirit over the body. So as a result, what you do in your body is not important as long as your spirit is in a right relationship with God. So all these uh, you know, false teachers had come up with uh, uh, these teachings which was encouraging a casual living and encouraging an unholy living. A thought that as long as somewhere along the line you have said yes to God, that's what really matters. How you live today does not really matter. But no, John is very clear. He says if a person says is abiding in him, then his lifestyle has to be different. 
Oftentimes, people will speak about this illustration of if you take a pig and you know, sort of wash it nicely, give it a nice bath, you know, and then you know, you're taking it on the streets and the pig sees you know, some dirt and muck. You know. The nature has not changed. Even though you have changed you know, externally, given it a nice wash, the internal nature of the pig to wallow in dirt is still there. So as a result, you know, when the pig sees the dirt, the pig will go and play around or muck around in that dirt. So the understanding is if the nature is not changed, then you would continue to do the same thing. But if a person abides in Christ, then he is a new person, he has a new nature. And as a result, the new nature does not continue in sin. John has also mentioned earlier that if a person says he has not sinned, he is a liar. And then he also says, if we sin, we have an advocate you know, with the Father. If anyone confesses their sin, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins. So, all those things are made it clear that it is, he is not speaking about what people will refer today as a sinless perfection. That you have reached a point in your life today that you can say, you know, I don't sin anymore. No, no, he says, hey, that's not possible. He is now speaking about an individual who is you know, habitually continuing in sin, he's saying, hey, that lifestyle shows that that person does not really belong to God. And also when he says, everyone who abides, okay? So in other words, he says, this is the pattern. He's not speaking about certain believers, you know, will be able to overcome sin so that they reach a point in which they say that we have never sinned or we won't sin anymore or we are living in that sinless perfection state. No, he's not speaking about a categorization among believers. He's speaking about this is a sign of a believer. If a person abides in him, his lifestyle is different. His lifestyle is not a life of sin. It is not a habitual sin. And if you notice, it's very clear, you know, the word abiding also speaks about, you know, more of a, in a state of permanency. He has taken up residence. If we abide in him and he abides in us, you know, that word that is the same that is used here. So if a person has taken up that permanent residency, he is the Christ is the one who is living in us, then Christ's nature is not going to have a habitual no, no, walk in sin. As soon as a believer falls into sin, John has mentioned earlier itself, you know, if anyone confesses their sins, he is faithful and just. So, if there is sin, the sin nature in us which is pushing us to sin, the nature of God that is in us will say, hey, that is wrong, you should not be doing it. Earlier, before we became a believer, we wallowed in sin, we enjoyed sin. But now, once a person has become a believer, he or she recognizes a sin should not be the lifestyle. And if in case we do fall into sin, we recognize that we have done wrong. It's like, you know, having a clean slate, a clean sheet, and a clean shirt, you know, and as soon as one drop falls in of dirt, you are upset about it. That is the nature of a believer. The nature of a believer is upset when there is sin coming into their lives. Whereas the nature of the unbeliever says, hey, that's okay, that's perfectly okay. After all, we are sinners, that's how we should be living. John is saying, no, no, that's not correct at all. If the eternal nature of the Son of God is sinless, 
and in the previous verse he is mentioned that he has come to take away our sins okay so if a person says he or she is a believer how can both go together if you're taking away your sin and you're continuing to live a lifestyle of sin it is only confirmation that you have not seen him or known him you have not seen him or known him so he's very strongly advocating checking up your life to find out whether you are really a believer or not sin at times may enter into our lives you know but it is the exception and not the rule whereas for the unsaved person that is a rule that is the habit this is how we know that we are different and if this difference has not happened if this difference has not happened it's high time that you take stock of your lives and check up whether we really belong to god or not so the practical application of this verse is that anyone who professes to know christ and yet demonstrates this rebellion against god it's high time they stop and check up whether they are really believers this is why if you notice jesus said in the last days many shall come and says we did this and we did that but the lord shall say depart from me you workers of iniquity hey that was your lifestyle you said all this you professed all this about me but your lifestyle did not show it your lifestyle was one of iniquity your lifestyle was one of sin that is why he says depart from me you workers of iniquity in second corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5 paul also tells in a to test yourself examine yourselves to see if you are in the faith you know examine yourselves he's writing this to the corinthian church you know there were a lot of problems in the corinthian church they were calling themselves as believers but you know all sorts of things were going on in that church so paul is writing to them and saying hey check it out your lifestyle is not showing it you better watch out check out whether you have really been saved so he says examine yourselves examine yourselves it's better that you examine yourselves check it verify it that you have committed your life to christ rather than at the end of your life at the judgment seat you find in a that you are only a professing christian but you were never really a believer So this one the next verse was seven he says little children make sure no one deceives you the one who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous little children can easily get uh, not deceived now new teachings can come in if you are a babe in Christ you can easily get deceived if people come around and tell okay you know it's not what you do in your body that matters it's your spirit that matters because body is physical you know the spirit is eternal so that is what is important and you know it may sound very logical but john is saying hey be careful be careful make sure no one deceives you make sure no one deceives you the test the real test of a person's real character must be what he or she does not by what he or she professes not by what they boast of but what is really the type of life that they are living so he says it's a warning sign when the bible says you know let no one deceive you make sure you know you have to take note of it you know this is something that is a serious matter 
So John is addressing them and saying, hey, this is what's happening among you. There are these individuals are coming up with this false teaching, but I want you little children, endearing term, and also a term that would be open for children to be deceived. He says, don't get yourself deceived with all these new teachings that are coming in. Check it up from scripture to find out if it is true or not. Okay. So let no one deceive you with this false teaching that you can profess your faith in Jesus and then spend the rest of your life living like the devil. That is just not possible. That is why he says you know, an individual who is uh, practicing righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. In other words, if a person says you know, he's a believer, Christ is living in him, Christ is the righteous individual, then he or she also has to practice that same righteousness. Now, what is righteousness? In the scriptures, you know, there are two aspects of righteousness. One is a right relationship with God, and the other is the actual right actions, the living out of you know, your relationship with God. Remember that right actions come as a result of your right relationship. So when John is saying over here, can I, one who practices righteousness is righteous. You know, both those aspects are coming over here. You know, is righteous meaning he is in a right relationship with God. If a person says he is righteous, if a person says he or she has a relationship with God, then John is saying, hey, that person should be practicing righteousness. Okay, You will know them by their fruits. James puts it across in another way, manner where he says, faith without works is dead. If a person says he or she is a believer, he has faith, but his life is not showing it, then chances are they are not really believers at all. So he says, let no one deceive you. Let no one deceive you. To avoid deception, you and I need to discern you know, the moral identity of the individual. How can you know whether a person is a believer or not? Check out. Not what they are saying, but check out their life. The test is not the believer's performance or an occasional righteous deed, but the test is a habitual practice of righteousness, a habitual practice of righteousness. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7 and verse 16, Jesus said, you shall know them by their fruit, by their fruit. Fruit is the external evidence of life inside okay and if you say you are a believer the fruit of the spirit must be seen in our lives if it is not there chances are you're living a deceptive life you're deceiving yourself you're deceiving yourself and the word that is used there for deceiving means wandering away you know you're wandering away from the truth if you know this truth but you're not living up to this you are actually wandering away. Now, deception is like a fisherman's bait. We think we are going to get what we want, but we end up getting hooked and becoming the meal. That's what you know, Stephen Cole mentioned. You know. Deception is like a bait. You know. So these false teachers put this bait, you know, bait before us. They say, hey, look here, you can have best of both worlds. You know. But God says, no, no, you can't have the best of both worlds. Either it is this or this. It is righteousness or in our sin. It is holiness in our, or unholiness. And then remember he says, just as, just as he is righteous. In other words, in the same manner, if Jesus is the one who is living in us, 
and we are called by his name, then we should be practicing. We should be practicing holiness. We bear resemblance to the family that we belong to. If we are belonging to the family of God, then we should bear his resemblance. It was Charles Spurgeon who put it across this way and said, the grace that does not change my life will not save my soul. The grace that does not change my life will not save my soul. In other words, you know, if you're believing in grace and saying, oh, God will forgive me, God will overcome, you know, God will, you know, just somehow push me into heaven. No, no. The grace that does not change will not save. You cannot presume on the grace of God. So this evening we must ask ourselves, what's the type of fruit that we are producing? Maybe we call ourselves Christians, we have, you know, we say we have been baptized or we say we made a commitment, whatever, okay? On whatever criteria we may say we are Christians. But the question that the scriptures are saying is the criteria by which we can examine ourselves to be sure that we are believers is our fruit. Has our lifestyle changed? Has our habits changed? Or is it still habitually the same old things before we became believers? You shall know them by their fruit. And if the fruit is not that, the fruit of God's Spirit is not being produced in our lives, and we have been condoning sin in our lives, as Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, he would also tell us this evening, check it out, test it out, examine. It is better to check out and make sure that you are in the faith rather than find you know, eternally that you missed it. Let's bow our heads and pray together.